On today's episode of Relative Currency, we really should focus our college choice on the resources that are available to us, meaning that we do not need to repeat the mistakes that many have made in the past of uh, essentially buying an overpriced uh, college education that didn't yield a return in terms of the type of uh, career and job opportunities that were available based on the uh, course of study. Brother, sister, and cousin, we've been relatives for a while. We're chatting about financial things, we're doing it family style. Cryptocurrency, stocks, and loans, financial literacy. It'll be that and so much more on Relative Currency. You are listening to Relative Currency, fine-tuning financial literacy for the middle class. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Relative Currency. I'm Frank here with Alicia and Treffin, and we're so g- grateful that you could join us on this episode Um Today, we're going to be talking about something that a lot of parents uh, are dealing with and facing, which is kids going to college. But before we get into talking about all of that and goes everything goes along with that, I want to encourage you to listen to, uh, subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Podbean, uh, Google Play, Spotify, all other major podcast platforms. Also, visit relativecurrency.com, subscribe to our newsletter, get a free wealth building gift sent right to your email when you subscribe. Uh, I think you definitely will get some use and enjoyment out of that. Um, so heading into uh, the discussion, I think that a lot of times people tell you, hey, here's how you save for college. You get you know, the Gerber Life Insurance Plan or you get a 529 or you pay tuition ahead of time. And that's all well and good. But for the majority of people who are sending kids to college, a lot of times, um, you know, those things, you know, you haven't been able to do those things, whether it be it being just maybe not planning enough in advance, maybe financial issues, but you don't have that requisite nest egg that you would kind of need to send a kid to a four-year institution. And so this episode tonight is going to kind of cover um, and, and give you some ideas on how, if you haven't necessarily dotted all your I's, crossed all your T's, and you have kids who are approaching college, how can you get them into school without saddling them with a mountain of debt, saddling yourself without a mountain of debt or mortgaging, you know, something that you don't want to mortgage, uh, you know, and, and there's definitely ways um, to to do this. So tonight we're going to just get into that and hopefully give you some ideas, plant some seeds on some things that can definitely help you keep you healthy financially as you uh, embark um, on this journey with your with your children. So I'm opening the floor, Alicia and Treffin, feel free to jump in share your perspective, share some ideas you have on people maybe facing the situation, uh, some options they may have to uh, mitigate, um, maybe not having that requisite savings, but all, but being able to attend uh, a good uh, university and get a good education. Yes. So as a parent of a, of a senior now, I'm, I'm looking at, at, at this situation and what I'm what I'm learning is that the reality is in terms of college, we need to be practical and we need to be pragmatic. 
And so we really should focus our college choice on the resources that are available to us, meaning that we do not need to repeat the mistakes that many have made in the past of uh, essentially buying an overpriced uh, college education that didn't yield a return in terms of the type of uh, career and job opportunities that were available based on the uh, course of study. Um, and also based on potentially picking a, a college or university where the cost is more than uh, twice of, of what you would expect to make in a starting salary. In the case of not really having any kind of uh, money accumulated in order to pay for college, the first thing to do is to focus on seeing what type of scholarships and what types of financial aid would be available, uh, preferably financial aid that is not a loan. Um, but if you have to look at loans, again, you don't wanna be in a position where your ultimate cost is gonna be more than twice what you would expect to make in a first year salary in whatever career your college is supposed to be preparing you for. Um, it can be almost a full-time job looking for scholarships, but there are many scholarships available. People often discount it. They're expecting that, you know, they need a $5,000, $10,000 or $20,000 or more scholarship. The reality is many of the people who are selling services as a consultant in terms of obtaining scholarships have, they were, they just hit their pursuit of scholarships so hard that they actually were able to pay for college with many scholarships that may not have been more than 500 or $1,000. But they basically looked at any type of scholarship that was available to their to their student. And, the, and the, the prospective college student needs to be involved in this. This is not supposed to be, you know, an additional work put on the parent. Um, at the very least, it should be cooperative. And what happens is that looking at the whole family tree, your cultural background, um, any special talents or interests, there are a wide variety of scholarships that could potentially be available. And again, they may not be huge amounts of money, but if you are persistent and consistent in, in identifying and applying for these scholarships, many of which go unclaimed, year after year because people don't know about them, people don't find out about them, people don't apply for them, then you can often get a significant amount of money even um, through having or garnered um, a significant number of smaller scholarships. So that's one thing. The other thing that everybody should do, no matter what amount of money they make, is fill out the free application for federal student aid or the FAFSA. It is absolutely essential. It doesn't matter whether you make $10 a year or whether you make $10 million a year, you should fill out this form. Now, obviously, if you make $10 million a year, you're not going to get uh, financial aid. But the reality is it does have a bearing on how any potential assistance would be structured. And for the vast majority of people, it is something that, you have to do in order to even be eligible for the 
any type of aid that you could potentially get from your prospective college or university. Now let's also hit another aspect of practical and pragmatic. The reality is you do need to look at what each college costs when you make your decision. And you can still obtain a degree from a four-year institution, even if you start at a community college or a junior college and transfer credits. And there's no shame in that. It's, it is absolutely a strategy. It's a winning strategy because the goal is to go to college or university with a purpose, with a goal, and to come out without drowning in debt to a productive career or job where you are now able to maintain or elevate the status, the standard of living um, to which you aspire or to which you are accustomed. And so you have to be very realistic. It does not make sense to go to a college where it costs anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand um, dollars and know that you want to be an elementary school teacher and you and you're going to take out loans for that whole amount. So the reality is you would be better served to look at colleges that are in state, colleges that are local to you where you could defray um, some of the costs outside of um, tuition and fees by staying, by living at home, for example. Uh, but you, you absolutely have to take into account what is the purpose that you're going to school and what are um, your objectives in terms of furthering your financial future. That's really good. I mean, I, I think that that, that was just excellent. Uh, Treffin, do you have anything you want to uh, continue to add? Yeah. So um, I actually, you mentioned a lot about um, access to scholarships and stuff like that and people paying for services. Um, paying for services to have people help you deal with college and stuff is quite normal in China, not just for Chinese to do that for their Chinese children to study abroad. But it's also normal for maybe foreigners who have children here abroad who are trying to get their kids to go back to school, maybe in America or Canada or wherever it is they're from. Um, but you mentioned community college. And I, I went to community college, actually. Uh, one of the reasons why I went to community college was I, did, I didn't even know if I wanted to go to college or not, to be honest with you. Um, there were some things that I thought I wanted to do instead of college. So I told myself, well, community college is something I could afford. I can have a part-time job. I can do that. Uh, I did two years of community college. I did really well. Um, my GPA remained quite high. Um, and then I joined this organization called Phi Theta Kappa. So whenever somebody asks you about Greeks and stuff, this is kind of how I learned about my Greek letters and things like that. Um, and Phi Theta Kappa was an organization that helped me get a lot of really good scholarships when I did decide to go to four-year university. Uh, and as you said, all of my credits transferred. So I only did, uh, I think I only really did three years of college, but I got my four-year degree at uh, St. Mary's University. 
And I got a really nice scholarship from Phi Theta Kappa. I think it was like 10,000 USD I got a semester. And then I had a couple of other scholarships and stuff that I had. But when you join these types of organizations, whether they're NGOs, whether they're Greek letters and things like that, uh, they should always have some type of portal, some type of uh, scholarship portal where you're going to be able to find the scholarships that are available to you as a member of this thing. So uh, just to name a few organizations that would be very helpful if um, not just your daughter, but anybody's children could join. Um, the Rotaract would be really good. There's the Red Cross. There's uh, Phi Theta Kappa, but that's only available for people who are in community colleges. So um, that's why I sent the message in the group. Um, if, if you're in the community college level, there's a lot more scholarships that are available to you also. Um, any type of NGO that does charity work or something like that, there's something like the Lions Club. I don't know what the age restrictions for that is. Um, there's, there's a lot of them. So if you just look up a list of NGOs and if you can join these NGOs, or if your, your children can join these NGOs, there's loads of scholarships available for these NGOs that kids could get. Um, so then there's that. Um, as far as having children abroad, there's a lot of challenges that you're facing. So first of all, in China, the cost of education is expensive, even expensive at the primary, middle school, high school level. Uh, college, it just drops. It, it goes down really, really low. Uh, there are some good colleges in China. Um, that's definitely true. And there are some really good programs in China that um, have partnerships and stuff with schools all around the world. For the most part, as a foreign kid, it's pretty easy to get scholarships for a lot of different universities, especially if you decide to go the language route and um, not major in language, but learn the language. You get something like a, a stipend of something like a thousand USD a month, um, which is a lot here in China. And most of your tuition gets paid. So if you decide to stay here, go to school, major in something, learning the language will help you a lot. But you should, as a, as a kid, uh, the, the kid actually should make this decision. Um, it's hard for the parents to, but you should make the decision as to where you want to go to grad school, um, whether it's going to be you're going to go back to your own country or you're going to go to a new country or maybe even just stay here. Um, there are challenges for students who get degrees within China. Um, it's Again, there are really good schools here, but there's still challenges when people have degrees uh, here as far as uh, having those degrees transfer sometimes to places like the States. Not all schools are recognized in the same way. So you can't do you can't do two years of college in China and then expect to do another two years of college in the U.S. It doesn't work like that. You have to usually you have to have something like either a bachelor's or a master's degree. And then that allow you to transfer not specifically that degree, but it'll allow you to enter a program where maybe you could get your Ph.D. or maybe you could get your you know, MBA or, you know, your master's of whatever, master's of science and stuff like that. So a lot of and more challenges, I'd say. Uh, and that's usually why people will hire companies. And these companies charge a lot of money. Um, it's like 200,000 RMB in USD. That's something like something like 30,000 USD they're going to charge you a year to help you get your kid uh, situated in college. So 
again, cost of education in China, in Korea, in Japan, uh, greater China, like uh, Hong Kong, Taiwan, it's expensive. And when you have someone try to help you as an agent, it gets quite expensive too. So um, start planning if you're abroad for your kid when they're in grade 10, maybe even make the decision to move back to the country where your child wants to go to college to make things a little bit easier for them. That's good. That's great, great information from uh, from you guys. I, I think that just in closing that there's there's a lot of options out there. So I think that, you know, for for the idea that, you know, hey, I maybe you didn't do everything right. And, you know, everything is not lined up like you thought it would be. Um, there there are ways for your child to attend a, a quality university um, and, and also not break the bank in doing it, because I think that's one of the things. Uh, one of our first episodes we talked about is getting into debt um, too early. And like you said, like Alicia said, getting, uh, you know, a job that's never going to really get you out of that debt. So just understanding that is a big thing and being honest with yourself, like, hey, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with going to community, community college starting off. There's nothing wrong with, you know, going to a school that um, is more tailored to your needs versus like with the football team you know, does on Saturdays. I mean, those those are things that are really important because those are things you have to stick with a long time down the road after you graduate. So um, again, just want to thank you guys for that great information. I want to encourage our listeners to go back and listen to the episode and every other episode on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, all the major podcast platforms. Visit uh, relativecurrency.com, sign up for a newsletter um, and get a chance to get a free uh, wealth guide I um, think you'll be of great benefit to you once you read that as well. So um, just want to, again, encourage you guys in this in this journey to college. It's, it's a beautiful journey and I'm um, looking forward to, uh, to maybe having some more discussions uh, as with Alicia as, as she goes down this process as well and just continue to refine our understanding on this topic. So for Alicia and Treffin, I'm Frank. We'll see you guys very soon on an episode of Relative Currency. Thank you for listening to Relative Currency. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other major podcast platforms.